You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome to Big News Sports. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Supposed to start. Oh, yeah. All right, let's go. Uh, welcome into the show, Matt Coulter, along with Lars Anderson, Christian Miller, and uh, Joe and Josh are with us today on this Friday. And right now, it just suddenly got very, very dark. It's sixty-five degrees. It's been just such wacky weather we have in Alabama. And I don't know, Lars, why it ever surprises me. But when you go from eighty-two to sixty-five, and it looks like rain, it just and who knows? It may snow this weekend. Oops, no, I did not say that. Actually, we hit record highs, 82, 83. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think next week my wife told me it's supposed to go back up to 82 again. Uh, we're just now at the end of February. Crazy, crazy stuff. What's going on in your crazy world, Lars? Uh, man, just this morning I uh, talked to my literary agent, my book editor, um, someone who I've been uh, discussing doing a documentary with, uh, stuff about this radio show, and I graded some papers. So uh, I've had a busy morning. I, I, I feel like uh, I, it should be 5 o'clock already. But Well, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. <laughs> that's, 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 um, that's a phrase popular yeah. by many, with many. But uh, yeah. including, anyway. including you and I. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh Kind of on our docket today, of course, Arkansas is at Alabama. It's a huge game for Arkansas. I don't know if you're keeping it up, the SEC. Arkansas wins this game at Alabama. They're in. Uh, but right now, they are on the fence and then some. So uh, I want to get into a discussion a little bit later in the show on how many y'all think are going to get in from the SEC. I know we got a couple of weeks left, so you're still kind of guessing. Uh, we can name four real easy. But... Um, Auburn is at Kentucky. That's the game tomorrow, 3 o'clock on CBS. Meanwhile, and I don't think, th- I think that we've kept this on your radar as we just continue to talk some college basketball. Um, UAB just pounded Rice last night. Jelly Walker had 32. He now has more 30 plus point games in the history of UAB basketball. Uh, folks, if you've been following Blazers basketball, that's significant. Tell us, for those of us who haven't seen him play, describe his game. And and I know people don't, or I should say coaches don't like to do comparisons, but we love comparisons oh. in the media. Who does he remind you of? But but oh. what, what kind of style of player is well, Jelly? Uh, he's a point guard that can absolutely shoot. Um, and, I mean, he can shoot. He's one of those guys that is confident enough he can pull up. He's five feet outside the three-point range. You know, coming across half court, yeah. Lars Anderson style, yeah, that's right. launching. Um, but yet he can he can pull the defense out, and dribble drive. Um, 
this, this has been true all my life. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm alone. When somebody asks me for a comparison, it's just like I, t- I, I, I can't think anymore. And, and yeah. I, I'm trying. You're trying to get a mental image of somebody. Um, he, he, Andy Kennedy was one of the best players I've ever seen there. But but Andy was really a, he was a shooter shooter. Um, you're gonna. Can I get back to you on that? Yes. Okay. Um, Is he an NBA player? I think so. With his shooting skills, uh, his ability to score the ball. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, you know he may he may sit on the the six to twelve. And, and also, he seems like a type of guy who could make a uh, a lot of money playing overseas for 10 to 15 years. Okay, bingo. I got gotcha. you. Mo Finley was a lot. I think they wore the same number, so mentally that's why I probably get Mo was not the three-point threat, but he had a lot of the same game. Um, and one thing I remember about Mo more than anything, he just had such a mental toughness. Um, great. But continuing the basketball, Kermit Davis was fired. I went, I read this this morning. I went, God, he's only been there two, three years. He's been there five. And I've always liked Kermit Davis. But I'll read you some numbers, and then I'll let you decide whether or not this dismissal was justified. Uh, this year, 10 and 18, 2 and 13. They've lost 10 of their last 11. Um... In his five seasons, he's 74 and 79. He did go to the NCAA tournament his very first year, hadn't touched it since, and then just over the last two years, he's been 20 and 37. Now, did Ole Miss have to make a move? Yes. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't get it done uh, in the in in the SEC or in any conference. I mean. It's a bottom-line business, uh, big-time college sports. And if you aren't winning, no matter how much you're loved and beloved by fans and administration, it's the bottom line that matters. And uh, unfortunately, he was not on the right side of the ledger there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Kermit Davis went to Mississippi State. His father coached there successfully through the 70s. Um, so he ends up at Ole Miss. Uh, he's gone. Win Case will take over in the interim. It's just very curious to me as to what happens. You know, these people just don't suddenly forget how to coach. Is it the league? Is it the competitive recruiting? But he was at MTSU 16 years, had 332 wins. Folks, that's more than respectable. Uh, he went to the NCAA tournament three times. That's very respectable because those programs don't go very often. So, Lars, just in a, in a, in a quick note, is it the SEC, the competition, the uh, inability to recruit the type player that, like, Alabama and Kentucky have? I think it all comes down to recruiting. Um, and, you know, I, I, I quote Nick Saban all the time in saying, uh, and it's one of his, his favorite sayings, although I haven't heard him say it for a while, uh, that it's it's the horses, not the jockey, yep. and uh, you know you can you can coach players up to a certain degree, but ultimately it just takes talent, and uh, and you know you you go back to that original conversation that Nick Saban had on the plane with um, Mal Moore coming to Tuscaloosa for the first time. 
and I'm paraphrasing here, he's like, you know, Mal, you may not have gotten the best coach in the world, but you just got the best recruiter in all of college football. And uh, and and Mal basically said, I will give you every resource possible for you to be successful in recruiting. And that has been the cornerstone, the foundation of everything that Nick Saban has been able to accomplish at Alabama. And again, it all started with Julio Jones. Do, do you ever stop, and I wonder if Alabama fans do this, and maybe go, ooh, when they think of the... Uh, the possibility that Rich Rod could have been there? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I'm buddies with Rich Rod. Yeah, he, we had him on the show, and he was, was very great. candid. Yeah, very, very candid. Very candid, and uh, he's, he's funny, uh, self-deprecating. Self-deprecating. In this and that, case, and that's, that's justified. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, it was his job. Yep. And he, he, he turned it down. Uh, he did say it was ludicrous that he turned it down because a certain media member was criticizing his wife or whatever. Uh, you know that that stuff got overblown by that particular media member trying to um, puff puff the chest out a little bit. But um, there were a lot of lot of reasons involved of why he didn't take the job. And, and number one was really, uh, I believe it was the reporting by Ian Rapoport because uh, that reporting, and Ian was at AL.com at the time, and I'm, I'm doing all this from memory here, but Ian was at AL.com at the time, and that, uh, the fact that it leaked out that Rich Rod was about ready to take the Alabama job, that gave West Virginia time to come up with the money to make a counteroffer, and uh, Rich Rod just thought, you know, at that moment, at that moment, West Virginia was a better job than Alabama. And it's hard to at, argue that. At that moment. At that's that the moment, key phrase here. At that moment. Um, and so he ended up uh, turning it down. And, and years later, I, I got to know him through uh, Bruce Arians. Uh, we were at a, a golf tournament together. And um, <laughs> we ended up getting paired together two years in a row. Playing 18 holes with Rich Rod is so much fun. Because we're you're always just like listening to music, pretty loud, and uh, it's just a really relaxed atmosphere, and it's just having fun, and and uh, he is just he's the kind of guy you want to go and um, you know just hit the town with, have fun. He's a fun dude. He's a fun dude, and he, I know he sometimes doesn't come across that way. And he has been a little self-indulgent in his personal life. Um, but, uh, you know, o- overall, uh, I think it worked out very well for Alabama of uh, Rich Rod yeah. passing on the job. And you also have to remember, at that time, the nickname for Mal Moore in what is now called the Mal Moore Athletic Facility or uh, Mal Moore Athletic Complex, uh, is, um, it was Malfunction Mal. Yeah. Because the because he'd offered the job to Spurrier, turned down. Offered the job to, um, gosh, who well, else? There's someone else there, besides there, Rodriguez. There was a, Rich Rich Rod turned him down, and there was one other who who turned him down, and uh, that's why really he he won the he won the heart and mind of Miss Terry, who then proceeded to win the heart and mind of her husband 
and then yep. and and the, the story's been often told and and it'll be really interesting uh once Nick Saban retires you know he's uh said to many many people uh that he will do his own book you know and and that's one reason why he doesn't cooperate with authors who are writing books on him and hey I, i've written two uh well really the storm in the tide is is not so much on coach saban as it is about the events of 4 11 and he did sit down with me for an extended amount uh, uh period in his office for that but um normally he doesn't that doesn't work with people uh, that are writing books on him because he wants to save that for his own his own book one day. And I've been told by so many people in the literary world in New York, including my own literary agent, that uh, Nick Saban biography will fetch probably about a, an advance of about five million dollars, right around what Barack Obama got. Oh. So I've, uh, I'm, I've I've been begging and pleading uh, with people at Alabama to just throw my hat in the ring. Me, well, me somebody's and, got a co-author me, me, with him. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and yeah. So our, our, my, my, my partner in crime, uh, Armin Katayan, uh, used to be at SI 60 Minutes. When he was at 60 Minutes, he did a really nice piece on Coach Saban and Miss Terry, and he's maintained a good relationship with them. And I'd like to think that I have a good relationship with them. And you, yeah. boy, I would be honored to do something like that. And an honor to take that healthy paycheck. Well, normally, in a, in a, when you are working with someone who is considered the celeb, the celeb gets uh, 60% and the writer gets 40%. But in the case of Where Nick Saban, Nick Saban, with Nick Saban, you, the, the writer is not getting 40%. But still, I mean, <laughs> 30% of $5 million is a nice chunk. <laughs> no, so uh, I just want to know where we're going. <laughs> Tahiti? Uh, well, Maui? Yeah, that, that, that's a, a long, go to Alaska? long ways away. I'm just, and I'm the just... thing is, you know who's going to make that decision, I believe, is really... Uh, well, I think Miss Terry is all. Yeah, I agree. But, but also Jimmy Sexton is going to have a big, big say in who who writes Nick's book. We need to have Jimmy on and praise him. Yes. <laughs> Think about Jimmy Sexton. He just really quick. I, I, he's one of those guys who always keeps his voicemail full, and so you can't leave a message for him. <laughs> a voice uh, message. Yeah. Got to leave him a text, and he, he's uh, he's very difficult to get in touch with. A- but if he wants to get in touch with you, he'll he'll find oh. you. He'll track you down. A.J. McCarron. This is uh, developing every, with every game into a really, really cool story. We'll get into that after the break on Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Much cooler today, mostly cloudy with a chance of a few passing showers, the high 64. Tonight and tomorrow, mostly cloudy with scattered showers. The low tonight, 51, the high tomorrow, 71. And Sunday, mostly cloudy, a few scattered showers around, the high 78. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 58 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
bunch of dogs. <laughs> Listen, this team uh, never quits. And um, yeah, I'm just so proud of these guys. I really am. Uh, this team means a lot to me. And uh, it's, uh, it's freaking awesome, dude. I, I'm loving it. I'm loving every minute of it. This is a great story. And I think I can safely say that A.J. McCarron is now the face of the XFL. And that's a good face to have. We talked last week. He brought his team back with 3.05 remaining, uh, scored two touchdowns, and ended up beating um, San Antonio. Uh, in this game, I watched part of it. And I, I will, I'll be very, very honest with you right here. Some of it's hard to watch because it is, you know, uh, kind of double-A guys playing. But there is certainly uh, there's effort. Uh, McCarron looks really good at times, most of the times, actually. Um, but as we've seen in the XFL and the USFL, I think one of the areas where they kind of lack compared to the NFL is wide receivers. you got wide receivers that drop footballs. Um, I don't see that much in the college level. But anyway... I'm digressing because A.J. led another comeback, got a field goal, and they've gotten another win. And Lars, here's the really cool thing, and there's one quote that I saw posted on one of the social media platforms that said, my six, this is A.J., and I am loosely paraphrasing, mm-hmm. says, my six-year-old loved watching video of me play football. I want him to be able to see me live. I could make more money probably land on a roster somewhere in the NFL, but this is what I want to do. And you just heard the little enthusiasm, and I, I think towards the end he was getting a little emotional. Yeah. And um, this is really cool for the XFL. I guess go back to what I was just making a point on. To him and his family, uh, to me that kind of shows you a little something about A.J. McCarron. Um, I think that's really, really cool. And A.J. McCarron makes me watch the XFL more than anyone else. Yeah, and you know what it underscores? The fact that in his two XFL career starts, he's two for two in in comebacks. The guy is a winner. Winner. Um, And and it it is cool. Like, you know, he was talking to a a reporter from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and he said, my six-year-old son loves watching tape of me on YouTube. It's a big reason why I chose to return this way. I probably could have tried to come back with an NFL team and had a chance to probably made bigger money, but no one knows what the future holds. I'm enjoying this, and it's a great way to create some memories for me and my boys. And, um, you know, you got to go back to... Uh, AJ spent uh, six years in the NFL as a uh, as a backup for the most part for four different NFL franchises. He did uh, lead the Bengals after Andy Dalton got hurt. Forget the year uh, to the playoffs, and also the Bengals were on the cusp of winning that game. AJ McCarron throws a late touchdown pass to AJ Green. And the Bengals are about, about ready to salt this thing away. And then Jeremy Hill, former running back from LSU, fumbled the ball. <laughs> I mean, they were running the ball out, fumbled the ball, 
And then that's when Vontez Perfect and Pac-Man Jones lost their mind and uh, both got unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on one play. Advances 30 yards. Pittsburgh kicks a field goal, wins the game. And, uh, and, and you know, A.J. would have gone down sort of in Bengals history because they hadn't won a playoff game in like 30 years. Anyway... Um, AJ, uh, he stepped away from football after uh, or during the 2022 season, uh, and after he recovered from a torn ACL that he suffered in April 2021, uh, he decided to get back into playing this year with the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks. And uh, right now, I mean, we're very early in the season. But clearly, A.J. has become the most compelling story in the XFL, and he's become the face of the league. And it really helps because he was such a good college football player. You could make the argument that he's one of the two best uh, Alabama quarterbacks of all time. I mean, he's got two natties. He's, uh, I think, in... If he had won that last game, because Jay and I talked about this a lot, <laughs> if he had won his the, his last start in the Sugar Bowl against Oklahoma, his winning percentage or his total number of wins oh. would have been more than Jay's. Oh. So you can spin it that Jay is still the winningest quarterback in Alabama history, but <laughs> but AJ was, was is right there, and you got to remember he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, won national championships. And it's really nice. And I always got along very well with AJ. I always liked him a lot. I know some media members, you know, they had some difficulties with AJ when he was at Alabama. But he always treated me really well. And I think, you know, his career in the NFL humbled him a bit. Uh, he certainly appears more mature now. I mean, he's uh, obviously... Parenthood will do that yeah, to you, too. Yes. And when you're 32 as opposed to 22 or 23, yeah. it, 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 you, 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 you're a different, totally different person than, you know, when you reach your early 30s than when you're in your early 20s. And um, it's, it's nice to see. It's a great it story. Really it's uh, a great story. Christian, uh, what are your thoughts when somebody mentions A.J. McCarron? I know he was uh, uh, several years before you, but you had to have been watching him on TV, and, and I don't know if you've ever met the guy or not. He was in the NFL at the same time you were, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just your thoughts on McCarron. Yeah, you know, he's a uh, – I hope I can kind of hear Echo. You got me, guys? Yeah, we do. I know the echo can be hard to deal with. Uh, <laughs> Let's try it out, Chris. I think if I got can, it. We'll get to the break. Yeah, I think I'm good now, if, if you can hear me. But, um, yeah, no, he's yeah, a great it. quarterback. Um, you know, I just think of him as, you know, a very successful quarterback at Alabama. I watched him when I was getting recruited, and um, I always thought highly of him. You know, he was successful. And, um, you know, I, I think it's great what he's doing in the XFL right now. I understand um, after hearing his interview saying, hey, he, he'd love for his kids to be able to see him play, and he, he loves to play. Um, so I think it's a great opportunity for him. He mentioned that he had some chances to be a backup quarterback. If it was me, I maybe would have rode that out as long as I could just to <laughs> just to make as much money because, I mean, as a backup quarterback, you're making a couple million dollars a year. And uh, I would just look at it from the standpoint that, all right, I can do this as long as I can, make the money. My kids can see me play in the preseason, and if, God forbid, the starting quarterback goes down, and then I'll make my transition. But you never know. He might have really set himself up. If, if he continues on this trajectory the way he's playing right now, 
you know, he might sign himself up for another NFL opportunity. I mean, you look at Josh Johnson, I think his name is the quarterback, uh, third string guy for the San Francisco 49ers. He's an older guy who's been in the league forever. I mean, I imagine AJ McCarron would be uh, capable of doing what he was, you know, anything that he could do, right? AJ's only 32. Um, I still think he has some good football left in him, at least after seeing what he's uh, put on the field and put on the tape these past couple of games. So um, I, I, I love it for him, and uh, I'm excited to see how he continues to progress. But he's, he's playing great so far. Hey, look what Geno Smith did. I mean, he was kind of a trade with yep. war. He was a journeyman. Yeah. Uh, man, he did great things at Seattle this year. Put up, what, top five numbers among quarterbacks in the National Football League? While uh, we have been doing the show, and actually previous to that, Nate Oates was holding his day-before news conference because Alabama hosts Arkansas tomorrow. And he had some interesting things to say, and we are going to share that with you on the other side of this break right here on Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. They should have, and when they should have, um, you know, they'd be playing in it in a year or two. Do you think having the students where they are sort of in the corner there is a good place for them? Is that typically where students are on college in college arenas? Or should they be more sort of like, I, I don't know, sort of right in the middle of the, I mean, give them, give them primetime seats right there uh, on, on uh, behind, I know they are kind of behind the, no, actually they're, they're on the they're opposite. opposite they're, the yeah, they're, they're yeah. the op, put them right behind the, uh, the opposing team's bench. You know, that, the, the teams used to be on that side. Boy, I'm really dating myself. It's a long, long time ago. But, and this will too, since I was a student and sat in that student section, I don't believe it's changed. It did, you, goes, did you wear a hard hat when you were uh... Well, <laughs> you need to if you're in the very back corner because the ceiling comes down and I once jumped up and busted my head. Really? That's not fun. Uh, but I think probably uh, I had more to do with that than the ceiling. Does that make sense? Um, but, golly, it's a great atmosphere over in that area. Now, I would think you'd keep it pretty much close to the same. Christian, do you, if you're a player, I know, you, you want that fan activity right behind you if they're pulling for you? If it's... If it's my uh, if it's my fans, my crowd, uh, I wouldn't mind that. Again, I haven't you know, really played basketball in, in an organized league, but in football at least, I know you go on the road to a place like LSU, and I feel like the fans are just like right behind our bench. And it's, oh, man, you can just hear them screaming stuff. And obviously you're tuning them out, but <laughs> so annoying and aggravating, if I'm being honest with you. So I kind of like Lars's idea. I kind of like moving the students, you know, around the opposing team. That way they can almost heckle them and kind of distract them a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm for that Were idea. You, I've never even thought of this, Christian, until you just brought it up. But as a player... Are you aware, or were you aware when you were playing at Alabama, where the, when you're on the road, 
where the opposing student section was located? Like, was it noticeably no. louder? Come, you're not. You oh, you mean like during the game or ahead of time? Uh, just sort of like during the game. Like, do you, can you notice it? Yeah, either one. Yeah, uh, yes. Ahead, ahead of time, absolutely not. I, I don't know the layout of the stadium. I, I mean. When they're during I mean, the game. once you're there, you're warm. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like, is it louder coming from that one particular? I mean, it, you you hear announcers say all the time, oh, they're backed up against, uh, you know, the LSU student. Alabama's backed up on the one-yard line. The student section's right there. Uh, mm-hmm. The implication being that the students are making more noise than the rest of the fans. So I'm just that's wondering. That's not true at LSU. Uh, <laughs> the students probably make less noise. Um, but I'm just I'm just wondering if, if that when you're on the field, does it feel like, hey, the, the the students are generating more noise when you are on the road, and you 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 notice it? I'm just yeah, I guess no, it's a little different. I, I, no, as, no, as that, a defender that, as, yeah. Well, no, that makes sense. So I, I thought you were saying, like, ahead of time, or do we know where they're going to be at? And we're like, oh, we got to watch out for these guys. I'm like, I don't know. But, um, no, during the game, honestly, I think football is a little different, right? I, I, like, there's so many fans in the stadium, so big. I mean, I think it's almost impossible for you to really distinguish exactly where, you know, it's coming from. Now, obviously, if you look and you see, a, you know, the young crowd that's being, a, you know, they might start waving things and being a little, you know, uh, wild, you you go put two and two together. That's probably the students, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's like, oh man, the left side of the stadium is so much louder. Those, the, the, they, you know, they're really getting to us. No, but but in terms of when we're on the sideline and you have a stadium kind of like I, I want to say LSU is one of them, and uh, I can't remember who else, but when it feels like their seats are right behind our bench, it is kind of frustrating every now and then because you'll just have some. You know, uh, consistent hecklers that are just saying things, and again, you're, you're not really paying it any mind. But when you're trying to meet and focus on, you know, uh, corrections, and you don't, you only have such you know limited time on the sideline before you got to go back on the field, and it's the same guy screaming the same thing, just yelling out different numbers, hoping to get a reaction. You're just kind of like, well, this guy, please be quiet. Like we don't care. Like I'm like LSU is one of the worst. Like they know we have a lot of guys on our team from Louisiana, and so they 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 particularly choose those guys to heckle them. And then they the whole time you'll hear them. Like I remember Tim Williams, they kept screaming at Tim and trying to talk talk bad or talk trash to Tim. And then he finally started saying stuff back, and then that fueled them. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. But, yeah, that no, that, that's the biggest issue. Yeah, yeah, I was like, Tim messed up there. But, yeah, that's the biggest issue is if they're too close and near the bench. But on the field, honestly, Lars, I mean, we're – we're so far away from it that you, you can't really tell. I mean, and those stadiums get so loud that it just sounds like one collective roar. It's a good topic. I'm going to flip it. When you're playing at Bryant-Denny Stadium, and you would be able to observe this just as much as anybody. No, I know, where, the, I know where those guys are at. The, the, <laughs> I know where, yeah, yeah, well, I know the, the other team, the other team. Yeah, the other team. And I, uh, Have you been out there when you could really see that the crowd at Alabama – had disrupted your opponent's offense. Uh, the the crowd uh, in general or the student section? Yeah, no, actually, just the crowd in general. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, in terms of you know, their their offense is on the field and it's so loud and they can't hear the the play count or uh, you know they can't hear the cadence and they get a delay of game or there's a false start penalty. I've seen that a bunch of times, but again, and I love Alabama. I think we have some of the best fans, but I have to be honest, though. 
I don't know if it's because we have a tradition of winning. I know people are going to be mad at me, but if I'm being completely honest with you, I don't think we have the loudest stadium in the SEC. Actually, I know we don't. I've gone, I mean, we don't. I mean, LSU, Texas A&M, Tennessee. If I'm being honest with you, those three uh, are, are louder than Brian Day. Now, there's... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, there's four I, I just specifically tennessee to me i remember how loud that was and i think it's partly due to the, the shape of it but that was rough a and m i don't know why i don't know if it's a combination of the, the yell leaders and the cannon things and just so much going on it, it that gets loud um but in lsu at night baton rouge man the, at night oh man that's loud but yeah auburn yeah, throw that on there. But, again, and I, I'm not disrespecting or dissing our fans or Brian Denny. I love our fans. I love Brian Denny. I just wish we could get to that level of, you know, disorient and loudness, that madness in that stadium. Because that's, man, there's nothing better than playing in an environment like that. Like, that's like the peak of college football when it's so loud you can't hear. I mean, that gets everybody going. And I wish fans really knew the, like, the, the motivation you get when your your home crowd sounds like that, like the times where Brian Denny was loud, like to that degree, I can't tell you how much it fueled us. It like lit this fire in us, and it just we we uh, we 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 built off of it. You know what I mean? We fed off that energy, and so I know people are gonna be upset with me saying that, but I got to be honest. That's just from no, my perspective. You know, down no, I'll, I'll defend you. That it's been that way for years. Alabama does have a reputation for their fans sitting on their hands well, a little and, bit. And they do. And that's been that's been true in fifty years of my hanging around it. Plus um but However, Christian, I've been Christian's there to right. games, I've been there to games too where it's thundering. Well every once yeah, in a while some, no sometimes every once in a while yeah. a couple of years this past year. L S U. Um yeah, yeah, they they can two thousand eleven LSU but I, game. I honestly, oh god. So I should say consistency. I, think a lot I should of it, say consistency. Yeah, that's yeah. But yes. I, if we were consistent, a lot of it has to do with it, with exactly what you said. The kind of Houston kicking everybody's butt. Yeah, and, and I can't blame them. If we're we're blowing is. somebody out. Yeah, if we're blowing somebody out by thirty points. I can't be mad at them for not screaming at the top of their lungs. I mean, that makes sense. So I get it. I'm, I'm not jumping on them, but I can. Only, I wish they just knew how much it really does encourage and motivate us and how much we feed off that energy because it i'm telling you as a player there's nothing better of you make a big play you get that big sack you get an interception and the whole place erupts i mean that's one of the best feelings in the world that's christian miller i'm matt coulter with lars anderson on big noon sports covering sec sports like good zoo on the roadside this is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Score! Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Much cooler today, mostly cloudy with a chance of a few passing showers. The high 64 tonight and tomorrow, mostly cloudy with scattered showers. The low tonight 51, the high tomorrow 71. And Sunday, mostly cloudy, a few scattered showers around. The high 78. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 57 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
back on Big Noon Sports with uh, Christian, Matt, excuse me. I have had an issue here lately, but it is now under control. Or is getting under control. That's exactly what I had. But um, Anyway, uh, Christian, Lars, Matt, Joe, Josh, Aiden, all are here. Uh, Just quickly, because we have just a limited amount of time here. um, And I know we've gone in this before. But um, loudest place you've ever been. We just talk about Christian where he played. Christian, as um, as a fan, and I know you, you you know you attended a lot of Alabama football games, but you're on the sideline. What's the loudest event? And it doesn't even have to be football or you know it could be basketball or whatever. What's the loudest event you've ever attended as a fan? Oh man, that's tough, Matt. Um... I'm not sure. I mean, it probably would be a, a football game, but it, that's tough because I've played in a lot of big games, and obviously the bigger the game, the closer the game, normally it's a lot louder. So that, that's hard to say, man. I mean, I, I still always just think back to some of those big SEC games because I mean, there was times where we would be on the field and it was so disorienting. We, I mean, we, <laughs> we'd, I'd be trying to read my teammates' lips because I couldn't even hear them, and I'm, you know, five, seven feet away from them. But going back to that real quick, I, I looked up the, the loudest stadium. So it's not just me, right? Uh, There's a top 20 list, and I don't, it's stadiumtalk.com, so I don't know how credible it is. But unfortunately, Brian Denny was not on the list. But the teams that I did name, those fields, those were on the list. Jordan Hare was 18. Um, uh, Kyle Stadium, which is uh, Texas A&M, they were in the top 10, might have been around 7. Uh, Tennessee was uh, number 2. LSU was in the top 5 as well, so... I was on to something there, but that's just my challenge to Brian yeah. Denny. If man, we 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 can we can get up there. It, it's not just me. We've heard Coach Saban say it too in his press conferences. I mean, we we need all that support because him as a head coach, he'll tell you it is not easy going and playing on the road, and that creates such. A, that's the other thing I missed last segment is that it creates such a, a challenge for opposing teams when they when they know they have to go on the road and play in a loud environment. That's a whole other factor that they have to prepare for. And it disrupts so much on offense. Uh, the communication is off. And it really gives you you such uh, an advantage playing at home and really a disadvantage for that opposing team. So that's another factor to it. I did a story years ago on the Detmer brothers, Coy and Ty Detmer. Uh, Ty, of course, won the, national, or won the uh, Heisman Trophy with uh, BYU. Coy played at Colorado. And he was telling me, Coy was, about a game that he played at Nebraska. Of course, got to mention Nebraska. And um, he said it was so loud. And at the time, uh, they, they, he, they were always under center. And it was so loud in Memorial Stadium in Lincoln that his center could not hear Coy call the signals. And so it gave the defense, I mean, you tell me, Christian, uh, it gave the defense such a huge advantage because Coy would have to sort of slap his center on the inside of his leg to get mm-hmm. the ball snapped. And the entire offensive line has to be looking at the ball because they can't hear what Coy was saying because uh, yeah. there was no silent count back then. And it just, it was like everybody's getting off the ball at the same time. Yeah, and that slows down. That's a great point, Lars. So if the tackles are they're they're peer, they're uh, periphering the ball with their inside, uh, you know, the, their eye closest to the ball, 
you know, they're going to be slow off the ball because you're exactly right. They're not going off that regular cadence. They're going off movement. So now that gives us defensive ends a much better jump on the snap. And like you said, sometimes you can just pick up on if they're doing like a butt tap for the cadence. You can pick up on that and jump it. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, man, I'm telling you, it, it's such an advantage to the home team and such a disadvantage to the away team. But I know we, we don't have much time, but y'all have seen a bunch of sports. What would you say y'all's loudest environments that y'all have been in would be? The one single moment was LSU uh, against Auburn in, like, 86. That's the earthquake game. It was so loud that it registered, like, 3.8 on the Richter scale. Now, that's loud. Yeah, probably kick six at Auburn. Wow. We got to go. We'll be back for another hour. Hang on. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Welcome into the show, second hour of Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson and Christian Miller. Um... Just quickly, uh, Arkansas is at Alabama tomorrow at 1 o'clock. That's an uh, ESPN 2 kick. Auburn and a great game against Kentucky at Rupp, 3 o'clock tomorrow. Um, and then I want to credit Andy Kennedy. Uh, the Blazers are doing just that. They've won 8 of 9. Last night they absolutely defeathered the Owls. That's not even a nice description. I like Owls. They beat Rice 85-57. to and uh, they are peaking at the right time. It's tourney time. Don't be surprised if uh, he gets UAB into the tournament, although there are several good teams in that league that can stop them. Um, we'll talk more about SEC basketball. I want to get you guys' thoughts on um, where, where the league is right now as far as entrance into the field of 68. But, and then, though, we're going to dial back to uh, football. Anthony Richardson. Something funny is a foot. Yes, a foot in ball. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw. I briefly saw this article, and one of them says that uh, that Anthony Richardson is the number one bet as far as futures are concerned. Well, this is, and uh, in, 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 I'll let Christian expand on this. But last Thursday, Anthony Richardson, according to the Caesars Sportsbook, was eighty to one to go number one overall in the draft. And then later that day on Thursday, his odds dropped down to 50 to one. Four days after that, his odds came down again, 25 to one. And Wednesday, two days ago, that was the day where people started really sort of scratching their head across the league and also gamblers across the country because on Caesars, Richardson went from 20 to 1 to 15 to 1 in just an hour. And then at 6:38 Eastern on Wednesday, he went to 10 to 1. Huh? And then a few minutes later, he went 
to eight to one. So he's eighty now, to eight. Yes, to go number one overall. Anthony well, we Richardson. Just hand the ball off here to Christian Miller because he can observe. What are your thoughts about that, Christian? Well, I think Christian might be muted. Is, uh, that's a possibility. But I'm, I'm just um, well. Know, here, first of all, deal. that's about betting. Okay, they yes. only move the line because somebody has pushed heavy but, money on one side. Yes, but also that typically says that something's going on behind the scenes uh, because Vegas <laughs> and the 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 the, 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 the big money guys usually know what's going on. Um, all right, I think we got Christian back. Christian, just your whole take on this. Anthony Richardson in a span of a few days going from 80 to 1 shot, according to Caesar Sportsbook, to be the number one overall pick to suddenly 8 to 1. Man, Lars, man, I, I don't really know what to think. Honestly, now y'all, I'm not great with betting, um, so I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how that works. But one thing I have learned is somehow, some way, those people in Vegas, they're pretty consistent. Um, so I don't know what they've been told or what they're hearing. But obviously, if it's going down uh, at that rate, I mean, they're starting to feel pretty confident about something. Now, I will say, I don't see them being the number one pick, like some people have said. Now, what I'm seeing is a lot of teams consistently have him as the number two quarterback, um, which is inter- interesting to me because I wonder who their true number one is because – I'd assume it's Bryce Young, but a lot of people have had C.J. Stroud up there as well. But maybe they have C.J. Stroud at three uh, behind Richardson. But here's the thing, though, guys. This is how this this draft process works. You're going to have some teams that like you, some teams that love you, and some teams that honestly don't really care for you as a player. So you really only need one team to fall in love with you. And honestly, if whoever has the number one pick is in love with Anthony Richardson or the idea of him or his potential – because, I mean, this is a guy who's like 6'4", 230-plus pounds, kind of that Cam Newton-style, big-body guy, big arm. Um, he, he's a project type of guy. You know, he has a really high ceiling. Um, but, again, it's, a lot of it is potential. And if I'm a GM, I'm more of – I'd rather have proof than potential. I'd rather go with a guy who's proven like a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud versus an Anthony Richardson because that's just me because you're taking a gamble. But I understand that's kind of what the draft is for. You know, you take gambles, and everybody's technically a gamble, even if you did great in college. doesn't always mean you'll translate. But what I'm basically picking up on this is a lot of these scouts and these GMs, they really like his potential. And they feel that with his uh, his tools and his physical traits, that if they can get him with the right coach, they can work with him, and this guy might be their guy. Um, but it's just it's kind of interesting how quickly it's happening, though. I mean, 80-1 to 1 to 8-1. to 1, yeah. That's interesting. I don't. I, that's that's new to me. But again, it, it, it takes one team though, one team to like you. Sometimes, uh, Christian, I wonder just how NFL personnel people like. Do they not watch production at college? Uh, like Zach Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. He had no business going number two overall to the Jets two years ago. He made that one incredible throw on Pro Day, 
right, where he was running to his left, and he just hits a dude in stride about 65 yards down the field, and suddenly he's the second coming of Joe Namath. They take him number two, and he's deer in the headlights, and he was... He was okay at BYU, but never, uh, like, this lights out. Um, I'm going to drop a name that I bet Matt will know, but I doubt you will, Christian. Mike Mamula. He was a linebacker at Boston College, and everybody's like, oh, he's got this prototypical size, speed, uh, uh, weight ratio, and workout warrior wasn't productive on the field and he went like something like seven overall to the eagles and didn't do anything but you get that year in and year out where it's like man look what they did on the field you know and i get it i get it like that anthony richardson okay you know he when you look at him he's like uh almost a faster version of Cam Newton, faster version of Josh Allen, but he also completed 54% of his passes last year. You know, what's his record? What was his record? I, at I don't Florida? Know, I think he's like 500 or something like that. Maybe I mean, I, I mean, nothing. It. I don't want to like dump on Anthony Richardson. Well, I, he hasn't done anything wrong. I'm not wrong dumping here. on Anthony. I'm dumping on the people that are scouting. Him. Yeah. When, when he was pressured, he had one target and one target only. And uh, trust me, you better be looking at three or four if you're in the NFL. Yeah. And why yeah. would you want to bet that much on what y'all just mentioned? I think Christian used the word. It's perfect. Potential. When, in my opinion, with Bryce and with CJ, you got proof in the pudding. And, look, yep. everybody, and I know Christian's going to eye roll coming up. Everybody complained about Joe Burrow. He didn't have the strong, oh, didn't have the strongest wow, arm. No, people said he didn't have a strong oh, arm coming man. out of LSU. He didn't have the cannon <laughs> arm. But you know what he was? He was a freaking he had the proof, winner. Though. Yeah, he had the proof. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. exactly. That's what right. I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, no, you're, you're right, Lars. You know, no, and that's that's what I that's what I say right now in terms of Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Exactly what Matt just said. I mean, I if I'm a GM, at least let's talk. Let, let's put it this way. At least more so at the quarterback position, right? That, that's just me because your quarterback is your leader. This guy is supposed to lead your franchise. I want a proven winner. I want a guy with not just physical traits, but I want the guy with the intangibles, the guy like Bryce who's poised in the pocket, you know, who just plays with this unparalleled confidence no matter what type of pressure he's facing. That's who I want. Now, again, I love the idea of Anthony Richardson. He looks like a guy you create on Madden. I get it. But I would rather stick to that formula. We see it a lot on defense, especially at defensive end. You'll see guys... I mean, we saw a guy last year's draft. I think uh, he went to the, the Ravens. And, again, I'm not disrespecting him. But I think he had two sacks this season, uh, his senior season. Two. But, you, like, that's, yeah. you know, like only two sacks. But the guy was 6'5", 250, 260 pounds, and ran like a 4'4 at the combine. See, like, you see it all the time at defensive end. They'll take guys because they're like, oh, man, this guy's 6'5". He's got this wingspan. He runs his speed. You know, his production in college was average to below average but we can work on them and then they get to the league and sometimes they're better than expected but most of the time it's like you know he's an average player in the league he's not really what they thought he could be but it it works out okay but it most of the time ends up being a reach and then you'll see the guy who doesn't necessarily have the measurables he's six two six three he ends up being a fourth or fifth round draft pick because he doesn't have that elite frame like the other guy 
but he's a proven guy. He did it in college. Then what does he do? He goes to the NFL and he does it again, even though they considered him undersized. So that's kind of what I, I feel Wilson, like this is kind of. Dak Prescott. Yeah, 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 exactly. So don't sleep on the mid-round uh, guys that don't get the hype like some of these guys because of the, the physical traits or the, you know, people fall in love with the, the what could be instead of, you know, what they see on tape. You know, my dad always told me, Film never lies. Numbers on a piece of paper can lie. A lot of other things can lie, but film never lies. Yeah, and um, I, I I think, I know we're a ways out from the draft. I love the NFL draft. It's like one of my favorite events, of the, my favorite like non-event event of the year, um, just because I, I like the idea of, uh, the different strategies of, of team that teams employ when they are uh, constructing their rosters. You know, what do they put value on? Is it do you build mm-hmm. from the inside out? Do you uh, you know? Uh, do you take like the elite left tackle, or do you go for the the incredible wide receiver? You know, like I, I love all those those questions. But I, as of right now. This is what I think is going to happen. I, I think the Bears are going to stick with Justin Fields as their quarterback. Uh, they're going to trade back to four, and that is the uh, Indianapolis Colts. And I think Jim Irsay, their owner, let the cat out of the bag by mentioning and, – and, look, this could have been just a, a, a deception thing. Who knows? But I don't think it they, was. They do that this, too. This guy, he, <laughs> Uh, yes, there's that. a lot of lying going on. They're like, don't believe anybody, especially when he, he said it at a press conference, but he said how much he liked the kid from Alabama. But I really do think, I think the Colts are going to trade up and, and draft Bryce Young number one. That's my, uh, that, that, that's. I, I do the Bryce, CJ, back and forth, back and forth. And the thing and... about CJ, he just did it for one game. Uh, in, in ter- uh, Bryce was more consistent. I mean, it, f- fine. If you have questions about his durability, uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but was his slight frame at Alabama ever an issue? Uh, I don't think I so. I don't. I wouldn't say so. No. I mean, if anything, he he proved I mean, to be it, uh, above. Um, average in terms of his durability, uh, displaying his toughness when he came back so soon from that that shoulder sprain, that AC joint sprain. I mean, uh, I think he showed toughness. And when he was playing on it, I mean, he I've seen him take big hits, and he jumps right up. I think what's working against him, though, and I hate to you know hit Tua in the crossfire, but they're going to say, oh, look at Tua. He had concerns about um, his durability, and look how that's playing out right now. That That's kind of going against him. But if you look on the, 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 the pros of it, Bryce has played in the SEC, has taken big hits with that size and stature, and he's been you know pretty fine for the most part. So what's funny, though, is if Bryce Young is two inches taller and 15 pounds heavier, this isn't even a debate. I think, I mean, clear as day, I'd put my whole bank account on Bryce Young being a number one pick. But it's, it's funny how this oh, yeah. works, the, the, the height and the weight thing, man. They, they put so much emphasis on it versus just turning on the tape and saying, this guy clearly is the best quarterback in this year's draft. I, I do think if, if Bryce comes in at the combine and weighs 185, that automatically would make him the lightest quarterback, uh, the large, at least the lightest starting quarterback in the NFL. Now, is, is that a big deal? I don't know. Can't. Do you think Bryce can put ten pounds on his frame? 
if he's at 185? Oh, absolutely. I'll give him the name of the, the mass gainer shake that I've been drinking since college. And he'll put that in and some, throw some creatine in there, snack on some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I'll have, I'll have him weighing 200 in about a month or two. Just let, let me work with them. Uh, or, uh, <laughs> or, or you know what, the Christian? Christian diet. Well, <laughs> yeah, Christian could. Uh, I saw what Christian was eating yesterday. It's Miller hey, time. Hey, oh, hey, he, he prepared, hey, he pre-prepares everything. Well, well, Matt, well, Matt, I had a, I had a cheat meal because my new house, I don't have my fridge in there just yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm slacking on my meal preps, Matt. You'd be disappointed. I've, I've had fast food a lot. Did, did you week. go to Jack's? Uh, oh, did you go to I Jack's? Waterburger. Close. <laughs> I, I love me some Whataburger. Uh, More hamburger talk, seriously. <laughs> You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Christian. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Much cooler today, mostly cloudy with a chance of a few passing showers, the high 64. Tonight and tomorrow, mostly cloudy with scattered showers. Below tonight, 51, the high tomorrow, 71. And Sunday, mostly cloudy, a few scattered showers around, the high 78. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 56 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Hey, you're back on Big Noon Sports as uh, we finish up here on a Friday. And just got off the phone with Sanford Basketball. They have a huge game tomorrow at 1 o'clock. I want to make sure I get that timeline out corrected, um, if not. And uh, this is a team has got a chance to go to the tournament. And every once in a while, and it is really every once in a while, Sanford does make it. But Bucky McMillan, since his huge success in-state at the high school level at Mountain Brook, um, and this guy can just flat-out coach, and um, he's proved it because Sanford is just a tremendous basketball team. Getting long story short, or I think it's the other way around in this case, Bucky will join us about 145. We're looking to try and fill Hannah up tomorrow. Uh, because I've been there when it's been a rockin'. Hannah is the stadium, the, the center, the Hannah Center Arena on the campus of Sanford. Um, I think it holds maybe four or five, maybe more than that. But anyway, um, I want to talk about his basketball team and potential of uh, filling up their arena tomorrow. Um, by the way, it's Christian, it's Matt, it's Lars, Joe, Josh, Aiden. Um, Christian. You are uh, you are going to be working all weekend on your house or houses? Probably so, Matt. This thing has just been so dragged out, um, but it, it's it's going to pay off. But yeah, I've, I've, I'm redoing some flooring now in the new house and postponing having to uh, get my fridge and appliances. So yeah, I'm kind of back and forth, but I got my hands full. I might try to sneak to that uh, basketball game though. Might try to go to the Arkansas game at some point. Take a little break. Um, it's, uh, I think it's a little bit of a scary game because Arkansas can play really, really well. I know Alabama went, uh, to Bud Walton. Was it, golly, it seems like a long time ago. I guess a couple of months ago. 
um, and handed it to Arkansas. I think that was one of the, at least in the SEC, I think that was one of the first really big wins in Alabama made a statement by being to win there, win there by double digits. Um, yeah, one so by 15. You, be, you better watch out for Musselman. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of shooters. Uh, he's been minus a couple of teams, uh, a couple of players since the beginning of the year. But uh, I promise you this, if, if Alabama has their guard down, uh, Razorbacks are going to make Saturday afternoon rough for them. Well, um... So Arkansas is nineteen and nine, and uh, their guard, their terrific freshman guard Nick Smith, uh, Jr. He's averaging. It doesn't sound great. Eleven point seven points per game, but he's back from an injury, and he just uh, put down twenty six in a blowout win over Georgia earlier this week. Um, Ricky Council, the fourth, is their leading scorer, 16.6 points per game. Um, and, uh, and so they're, they're, they have a formidable backcourt, right? And then they have another really good freshman in uh, Anthony Black. And uh, so, uh, you know, they, they, they have some depth there, too. Um, and they started... What Arkansas started, uh, what one and six in SEC play, but now they're back, sort of in NCAA tournament. I think they're comf- aren't they comfortably in right now? Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, they're at they're eight, fifth, they're eight, they're, they're eight and six. Is that right? Uh, in conference play, I don't have that in I front of me. But Ken Palm has them. Uh, uh, let's see, they fell out of the polls a month ago. Yeah, they're at fifteenth in, in both Ken Palm and, and NET rankings, um, and they play good defense. But their their sort of fatal flaw this year has just been consistently hitting the outside shot. Um, but they, they, they had their way with Georgia from beyond the arc uh, just a couple days ago. So this isn't going to be just uh, a walk in there and show up and win the game for Alabama. I mean, this is, uh, this is a test. Well, and in line of the week, it'd be, it's really hard to tell where they are. Headwise. Yeah. Although yeah. we know where Brandon Miller is. Yeah. He's I mean, a but what is the emotional toll? Uh, just not even talking about off the court stuff, but just, you know, that that overtime win in, in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. That that was a that was a tough one. That was a tough, uh, gutty victory. Um, and but. I, I don't know. You also could make the argument that it, it, it builds the collective character of the team, and when things get going tough, uh, that when tough things get are going. yeah tough get going. Yeah, how <laughs> I many more cliches can we try? I don't out? know, but I'll tell you what: if controversy <laughs> breeds character, Alabama ought to be at the top of the charts. Yeah. Big cheese number one. Uh, yeah. Certainly had to deal with it, but uh, I, I, I don't know, guys. I think that... Arkansas is a bubble team. Go ahead, Christian. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the, the the way I look at too though is coming off a close game like that is I know at least in football when you're a highly ranked team and you do have a close game, we always viewed it as we just kind of exposed some vulnerabilities or gave this upcoming team a newfound confidence where they can say we'll see what South Carolina just did. They almost beat them. They went to overtime. This team isn't as special as everyone's making them seem. Granted, Arkansas has already faced Alabama. I think they played. It was January 11th. It, 
you know, Alabama won that game on the road, but you know, for the first half of it, if I remember correctly, it, it, they they played well. Then Alabama kind of pulled away. Yeah, yeah, it was tight. Then Alabama ended up pulling away. But Arkansas has been impressive on the road. Um, so I agree with Matt. You know, this is definitely one you need to come prepared for. And uh, Alabama needs to, you know, be on their A game and and bring it because uh, this is a very tough Arkansas basketball team. It, it, and it's it, it, interesting. You go back and you look at that game, uh, that first Arkansas matchup. Brandon Miller only attempted four field goals. Zero. Just, just first th- half. Just, yeah. just think how far he has come as a player, right? And and. and uh, I don't know if he was just sort of uh, deferring to other guys in that game because uh, uh, Mark Sears he had 26 in that first mm-hmm. game and he was he was kind of the star of the game, um, and, and what an addition he's been. I mean, because like, um, of Brandon, he doesn't get enough credit. I mean, yeah. a Muscle Shoals kid who who goes up to he went to Ohio. Like to, how did how, he was a Bobcat. I, I, I've uh, I've I've spent time. I know in, you did in, a nice in, piece on it. Yeah, I read it on uh, on Frank Solich many years ago uh, at, in a, at at Ohio University, Athens, where Joe Burrow is from. Oh uh, my goodness! Hey, that was just for Christian. Hey, Christian, can you and I have a moment here? We need Please. to burlap sack this dude. We need to. But, but real quick though, did did, did Marks did Sears did, did he just not get recruited by Alabama? Did he get overlooked? Now I mean that's that happens. I mean that's, again, I South Carolina kind of you know spurned me a little bit, but um, he's just such a great player. I'm just surprised. Well, okay. Before we get to Sears, what what did South did South Carolina? Who was it? Steve? Who was coaching? Yeah, who was the head Spurrier. coach? Then? Yeah, you're right. Steve did he not career. recruit you? Oh man, this I don't know if we have no time. It was a whirlwind. They, I, they recruited me, but they didn't recruit me. Basically, what they did was they 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 I think they came to see me play once. They were hesitant on offering me. They finally offered me. And when they did, it wasn't, you know, typically like a head coach speaks with you and it does it. And it's a little more formal. Well, Spurrier never even did that. It really was just Brad Lowing, who was the defensive line coach. I feel like he was really the only coach on that staff that really wanted to recruit me. And he extended the offer. But he told me, he was like, you know, in our system, you'd probably be a defensive end. And, you know, our defensive ends are, you know, 260 plus. You'll have to put a lot of weight on your frame. But I think you can do it. You know, I, I think you'd be a great player here. But honestly, I think the coordinator at the time was like Lorenzo Ward. You know, none of those, like Kirk, was it maybe oh, Kirk Botkin, I think, was, uh, was, oh, was he tied to Alabama, Matt? No, Lorenzo Ward played at Alabama. Did he? I didn't even know I'm that. pretty sure that's the same guy. It probably uh, is. Well, well, you I, figure I he'd have mentioned that. If I talked to him more, I didn't get to talk to him a whole bunch. So it probably never got that far. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much what happened, guys. So they they gave me an offer, but I don't even know if it really would have been a committable offer. And then here's the crazy thing. They told me I wasn't a great fit. And uh, I love this guy. He was one of my uh, good friends when we were getting recruited. But there was a guy named Bryson Allen Williams. He's actually coached now uh, in college. I think he was with uh, UNC. He might be elsewhere now. But anyway, he was a similar style player as me. He was a tweener, outside linebacker. He was about 6'2", 225, 230-ish. So he would have been the same thing as me, you know, a hybrid outside linebacker, defensive end. Well, they told him, oh, we're going we're gonna to change our system. We're going to have that hybrid role. 
and you you're the perfect build for it, perfect mold for it. And I was like, <laughs> well, I guess that wasn't an option for me. So it ended up working out perfect. I'd much rather you know come to Alabama anyways. And quite frankly, I mean, when Coach Saban's recruiting you, you kind of you know you're not upset if again, no disrespect to South Carolina, but I wasn't really phased uh, by it. As you know, I had Coach Saban and Mark Richt at Georgia and Will Muschamp at Florida, those type of schools and coaches recruited me. It, it made it everything okay. <laughs> here's here's my observation from my perspective here over on the sidelines and then some. If Nick Saban is highly recruiting Christian Miller, Steve Spurrier's got to be a smart enough football coach to go, well, I might want that guy too. I got the story of, you would of think Mark so. Sears' recruitment and his background. We'll get into it on the other side. Yeah. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Don't forget Bucky's coming up at 145. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Have on. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and Christian, you, you hear athletes say that a lot, right? Playing, Pulling out the disrespect card. And in a way, you, you have it. You, 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 I mean, you had that too because uh, of Spurrier, right? I mean, so is that a is that a real thing, or is that just something again uh, that that an athlete will just kind of say, or is it something that really like fuels you fuels you to get up at five thirty in the morning and get your butt to the gym? <laughs> no, absolutely, Lars. No, it it is something that that adds fuel to the fire. I mean. I think of myself, and it's not something that you're just going to probably every single day think and wake up and say, "Hey, I hate those Carolina fans for you know and that, that team for." Nah, but but no, it's not that bad. But I will say, um, in the back of my head, I did kind of have that because uh, I remember seeing people tweeting me saying, "Oh, you're too skinny. You'll never play at Alabama. You'll never play in the SEC. <laughs> you'll you're just going to ride the bench. Go ahead and go to Alabama. You'll never play." And so. Every time I, I reach a new milestone here at Alabama, I, that would come back to my mind where I'm like, yeah, I remember when those fans are tweeting me and saying that and said I'd never play here. Uh, I just earned the starting Sam linebacker position here. I just got named team captain. I just won a national championship. So I, and I would think back to those moments. So you're right. Like the Athletes do think about that disrespect. Now, is it to a degree where I mean, like they think about it 24-7? Maybe not, but I know some guys, they, they put that, that stuff they see, they'll screenshot it, and they'll put it as their screensaver on their wallpaper, on their phone. Wow. You know, some guys do take remember, it that like, serious. At, after the Super Bowl, Travis Kelsey was saying, oh, nobody thought we'd win it all. Are you kidding me? Everybody thought that. you'd win it all. All right, whatever. Anyway, all right. Georgia was uh, saying that too. It is uh, <laughs> yeah, Georgia right, players. Yes. <laughs> it's a it's a big win, and uh, it may be uh, it's a big game. It may be setting up the biggest weekend in I say this the history of Sanford basketball. We'll talk with their head coach Bucky McMillan in a moment. From T Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Make plans to attend. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Much cooler today, mostly cloudy with a chance of a few passing showers, the high 64. Tonight and tomorrow, mostly cloudy with scattered showers. The low tonight, 51, the high tomorrow, 71. And Sunday, mostly cloudy, a few scattered showers around, the high 78. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 57 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, now joined by Sanford head basketball coach Bucky McMillan, who is uh, going through the media car wash uh, as we speak. Uh, a lot of people want to talk uh, about Sanford Bulldogs basketball because tomorrow, 1 o'clock, you host Furman with an opportunity to win the SOCON regular season championship outright. Way to go, Bucky. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. Um, you bet. You met Furman earlier this year in a real battle up there. I think you lost by seven. I guess you expect nothing but the same tomorrow. Well, it was to tell you, it was a it was a battle at their place. We lost in overtime. It was a it was a really good game, and um, they're a good team. Most people picked them to win the league. Um, we're a game ahead of them, so we we clinched a, a SoCon championship on the road at Chattanooga. But we want to be the only people that can claim that championship. We don't. We don't want those guys being able to claim it with us. So we got to go get this one tomorrow, at one o'clock. It's going to be a great game. It's a great team we're playing. Um, and it's great basketball. So we hope all of Birmingham can get there. You know, Sanford. This is our first time when we clinched it against Chattanooga for Sanford to win a championship in the Southern Conference. And um, this is the two, uh, the number one and the number two team right now in the league fighting out versus each other here in the last game of the season here at the Pete Hanna Center. So we're hoping we can get a great crowd because we're going to need it. And um, we're looking forward to celebrating with all of Birmingham if we can get this win tomorrow. Everybody that knows anything about basketball and sports in in Birmingham knows your unbelievable success as a player at Mountain Brook and as a player at Birmingham Southern, then a coach at Mountain Brook, and, and now at Sanford. So I imagine your basketball contacts are uh, plentiful. How many texts have you gotten that say, Bucky, can you get me two? <laughs> oh, you get a lot. Now, you would think it would end with just, hey, can you get me some tickets? But then it goes a step further. Can you get me on the floor? Can you get me by the bench? Can you get me oh, in this spot? So. It, it, it's nonstop. That's a good. That's a good problem to have. It's not a good thing when they don't want to come watch your team play. That means you're not very good, right? Huh. I guess you're right, Bucky. Uh, your first year at Sanford, uh, six and thirteen. Last two years, you've had twenty plus victories each year. What has been the key to the turnaround? Well, I think you've got to have a long term vision if you're going to build a program. You know, you can't just come in there and let's quick fix something, if, you know, that, that needed to be frank, that needed to be fixed. And um, so I think if, as long as you have the long-term vision, you've you got to take some short-term setbacks to get a, to, to get your program in a, in a way that it's going to be sustainable long-term. You know, that's our goal. You know, we want to be towards the top of the league every year. Hopefully, we, you know, I think this was the first time in – the history of the school that 
20 games were won in the regular season in back-to-back years. This is the first. Uh, if we win tomorrow, it'd be 16 conference wins, 16 and two in the league, which would be a record. So this is stuff that is is great. But we hope to say not just hey, this is the first time of back-to-back years of winning 20 games. We want that to be an every year deal where we're winning 20 games and we're at the top of the league and we're not even celebrating that. We're just that's just commonplace, and you know we we want to cap the season off by playing our best basketball. You know, if we play our best basketball, that gives us the best chance to get to the NCAA tournament, and that gives us the best chance in the NCAA tournament to win in the NCAA tournament. And um, you, know, you can't control everything. Just because you're playing your best basketball doesn't mean you're going to win all the time. You know, that basketball has you know it's ebb and flows in it. So, but I know either way, if we're playing our best basketball, win or lose, it's something that we're going to be able to be proud of whether that means a run in the NCAA tournament or that means we didn't make it through our conference tournament, something that we're going to be proud of. And that's what we want our program to be about. We want it to be a program that Stanford's proud of and that Birmingham and Alabama's proud of. Bucky, you well, know. Bucky, uh, we – go ahead, Christian, ask final question. Oh, so, no, I'll let you take it, Matt. I just was curious about how he's handling – we talk a lot about NIL and the transfer portal. I just was curious, has that affected him and his team? And, and if so, how he's been able to handle it? Well, we do have some structures set up here for our guys. I really think our structure is about as good as anywhere in the country because it's, uh, it's more of work opportunities for our players. But everyone, you know, is the NIL, is, as you know, is it's, it's a game changer with different, you know, good or bad. But uh, sure. I do think that the way certain programs set it up can be a positive or negative for the program. Some of these programs that you see have massive NIL, they're not doing it great right now. Some of them aren't. Um, so I think it's very important that it you don't have complacency in your program because players think they've arrived because now all of a sudden they think they're professional. Well, that's a tough situation. But let me just offer you this, having lived in Birmingham for over 40 years. Uh, there's great value in a Sanford education. And when you get out of Sanford, you're making good money or you're serving good causes or both. So uh, that in itself is his own NIL. Hey, uh, Bucky, I'm assuming we can just go to SanfordSports.com and get information on tickets, right? Or we can just text you. <laughs> Don't ask me for four seats, though. But sure, text me, uh, SanfordSports.com, or you can buy them at the gate tomorrow. So 1 o'clock game. I tell everybody, let's get there 1245. We're going to red it out. Wear that red. Hannah's going to be right. Fight together. Let's get yep. that win. Let's do it. And then next week you go to Asheville for the tournament. That's not a bad place to play. So That's a great uh, venue up there. Good luck, there. Bucky. Appreciate you guys. Thank you all. Y- you bet. Thank you. Uh, Bucky McMillian, he- McMillan, uh, he's head coach of the Sanford Bulldogs. They have a chance to win the outright SOCON tomorrow. So, you ever watch his style of play? I mean, it's Bucky just, ball. It's It's fascinating. And it will wear you. Let me let me just tell you a quick story. I've done like PA for their games, and you know part of the public address, you know, you, you say who scores, all that kind of stuff, fouls that. Part of it is giving the substitutes. My God, you'll run out of breath. Bucky substitutes. He'll substitute one, two, three, three, two, one. He's. I've even seen him substitute five, um, and he'll wear you out. So I can't imagine what it's doing for the opposition. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, let me just say really quick, I, I, I know that uh, um, uh, Christian has something to say. I forgot to mention this yesterday. Yesterday is a very important day in the history of my life. I have one autograph, one autograph, and that's of Tom Osborne. And yesterday was his birthday. Uh, he was born on February 23rd, 1937. Uh, a man of great character, a man who has influenced my life uh, in profound ways, somebody who I've gotten close with over the years. And uh, I just think the world of Tom Osborne as he is, uh, you know, in, in the winter of his life. Christian? Well, happy birthday to Tom. You know, I just was going to give you guys a, a heads up. And I know you guys mentioned you know, wanting to get your feet fitted for some art supports. They're open on the weekends. I know y'all have one up there in the summit. But again, there's one down here at Midtown Village. Uh, that's the Good Feet Store, who offers a premium art supports designed to alleviate and eliminate all types of pain, hip pain, back pain, knee pain, you name it. And they have first-class superior customer service. And by popular demand, they're still giving away those premium free uh, shoes with a qualified purchase. So go ahead and stop in your local Good Feet store today. That's in Midtown Village in Tuscaloosa. I think it's in the Summit in Birmingham. And uh, if you're not sure near you, you can go to goodfeet.com and uh, find the nearest location. Again, that's the Good Feet store with those premium art support. So, guys, if you're free this weekend... Uh, hit me up. We can uh, take a trip over there and see if we can get you guys fitted. Go ahead and help you guys out with some of that pain you got. We're uh, You're going to take me there next Wednesday. Mark it on your calendar. Okay. We'll do it. Wednesday is the day. To. All right. I'll be glad to. All right. Well, I, uh, um, I hope you guys have a great weekend. Yeah, on yeah. Um, you know, guys, it's it's been uh, remarkable the lightning speed with which national media has moved on from the Alabama story. Where, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> apologies are more than necessary. Yeah, uh, my, my pretty big my, uh, names yeah. had some pretty big doo doo. Yeah, uh, my students were saying, "Oh, Brandon Miller, he has to sue this person and this person." Unfortunately, and Christian, you know this. When you're a public figure, and Matt, you know this. I know this too. When you're a public figure, uh, you, you, it's almost impossible to win a defamation lawsuit. Uh, they are Act- I mean, proving actual malice very difficult. You know, you might be able to win the case, but po- proving malice and gaining money. And profiting from it, it just sorry. If, if you think that's going to happen, have another beer. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Christian. Thanks, Lars, Aiden, Joe, Josh. All right. Bye.